Over the next few weeks, we will be interviewing the authors from the collaborative book, The Grief Experience, Tools for Acceptance, Resilience, and Connection, which is set to release in February of 2024. These authors have each experienced their own unique grief journey and will be sharing their personal stories with us. We will also explore the specific tools they used to cope with their grief and how these tools can benefit others who may be going through similar experiences. Grief is a complex and challenging process, and each person's experience is different. By sharing our stories and tools, we hope to provide support, guidance, and comfort to those navigating their grief journey. Each author has experienced different types of loss and comes from a variety of backgrounds, beliefs, and experiences. As a result, they offer valuable insights and perspectives. We are honored to have them join us on this podcast series and to share their stories and tools with you, our Path 11 podcast listeners. Hi, and thanks for tuning in to the Path 11 podcast. I am your host, April Hanna. At the Path 11 Podcast, we are here trying to deliver leading-edge research on consciousness, healing, and metaphysics. And just like you, we are trying to answer the big questions about life. Who are we? Why are we here? And what is our purpose? We hope by listening to our podcast, it will make each day you live on Earth a little easier to understand. And now for today's podcast. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Path 11 Podcast. We are on week three of me introducing to you one of the 25 authors that I am joining in creating a book called The Grief Experience, Tools for Acceptance, Resilience, and Connection. And I'm really excited to introduce this author to you because I know her a little bit better than some of the others that I'm meeting for the first time. And her name is Jean Truella. And I came to kind of stumble upon her and her studio and where she's doing some of her amazing work by accident. So Kelly Doherty, who you guys have heard already and know is kind of heading up this project, and she's also been on the podcast a few times. Kelly and I were trying to find bigger space that we could possibly rent with holding our grief groups and getting more people and maybe doing grief retreats. And lo and behold, we found out that there is this woman in our complex where we work in Saratoga Village Boulevard in Malta, New York, and she's got a beautiful studio space. And she happened to be doing a journey dance class, and it was all related to grief and loss. And we thought, oh my gosh, who is this woman? We need to meet her, and how can we collaborate with her? So I had an opportunity of trying this, and I'll talk more about it, and, G- and Jean can fill, fill me in a little bit on some of the things that I experienced during her class. But it was really eye-opening for me in a totally different way for me to connect with my grief. And I uh, have been grateful ever since taking that class from her. And so I'm really excited to introduce you to her. So she's got has a really interesting background because she studied physics at Antioch College. And she was introduced to dance and found that dancing each semester was a great way to balance her heavy intellectual coursework. She gained a foundation of body awareness through the practice of Alexander Technique, modern dance, improvisational performance arts. Through her professional career, she gained leadership and diversity skills from trainings, such as Stephen Covey's The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Love that book, by the way. Judith Humphrey's Taking the Stage and Pat Himes' Gender Awareness. 
She has practiced implementing these tools and driving change as leader of the IBM Research Diversity Council, president of IEEE, Electronic Packaging Society, and as a speaker on diversity and inclusion in her area of electronics packaging. So I was really interested to hear that she's like this engineer over at IBM. (laughs) And here she is doing like all this holistic healing work and dancing. I was like, wow, that's amazing to have somebody have that type of background and still so fluent in like the arts here. So I love it. And in 2019, she became a certified journey dance facilitator after two years of study with practice with Tony Bergens. And Jean is also going to share with us the loss of her child through suicide and tell us a little bit more about how that greatly impacted her and how dance really saved her and became a really beautiful tool to help her through her grief and is probably going to be, I'm not sure what she's writing on with this book, but I have a feeling she's probably going to talk about her dance and her movement and how that really helped her move through her grief journey, the loss of her child. So Jean, welcome to the Path Love and Podcast. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. I, I really enjoy your podcast and I love the idea of sharing and, and thinking about connecting with our lost loved ones. And I loved having you in my class as well. Yeah. Yes, thank you. So yeah, I was really nervous to take your class. And it, this is so strange because I love dancing. And my kind of dancing was like back in the days when I was in college and I would dance more to hip hop and it would be at the clubs and the bars on Friday and Saturday night. So I feel really comfortable with dance. But I was not really comfortable with this improv dance and like just it was it was really embodied. And I think it really woke me up to say, wow, am I really inside of my body or am I avoiding my body? And it was a really cool experience because it was really uncomfortable for me. I felt like I was stepping outside of my comfort zone, having to be maybe a little more extroverted and meeting people that I didn't know and making weird movements with my body. And it also woke up a little bit of an inner child in me. So, and from your dance class, I decided to set my resolution for this year of 2023 to do more things outside of my comfort zone, because I really learned a couple of things about myself in the 90 minutes while I was dancing with you. So it'll be something I will never forget. So I thank you for that. And so tell me more about how you got into dance and movement and how that kind of also has really helped you in your career to kind of balance your left and right brain. Right, right. Yeah, I have always, like I said in my bio, I I did start dancing when I was in college and I enjoyed improvisation. And there was a lot of, of work of just closing your eyes and connecting into your body and feeling feeling how your body is. And I don't know, I'm sure that I'm not alone in having had body issues growing up and not liking my body. And so I've always found it very helpful to embrace my body and know that I live in it and it serves me and it gets to break away some of the stereotypes. Do I fit in this or that mold? Because my body is a huge part of who I am. And I think for a lot of people, we get stuck in our heads and we think our brains control everything. But in fact, we, we feel a lot and emotions and things get stored in our bodies and they get, they get stuck. So trauma, um, uh, the, body, the body keeps score really talks about 
trauma getting caught in your body and needing to move it and get it, break it loose. And so that's what I've really found dance to do for me is through all of my life, I've been working through the different things that have happened to me, the different experiences. And I would do a dance and then I would usually process that with talk therapy for a month or two. And then I would do another dance and then I would go and process that for a month or two. And I learned and practiced all these different kinds of dances that are all conscious movement. They're all dance dances that come from within. So you sort of can close your eyes and listen to what your body wants to do to the rhythm of the movement, to the rhythm of the music. And maybe even if there's no music and just me, it's, it's really fascinating to pay attention and give your body that kind of you know, time and awareness and space. Okay, so some of these techniques that you're trained in, are they, is it specifically done with that awareness of trying to move our stories out of our bodies? Or is journey dance what you do uh, a little more specific to that? Because I see that you tend to have themes each week or each month when you're teaching this and different ways that people can heal themselves with the themes that you use through the journey dance. So not sure, are you specifically getting training in dances that have to do with trauma release in the body, or are they just a variety of different techniques? It's actually a great question, and it's it's one reason why I love journey dance, because it's it can come to a person wherever they are in their life's journey. You might be a very happy person with very little trauma that you need to work through, but maybe maybe what you're having a hard time with is actually really feeling joy. So the journey dance starts with an embodiment for about 10, 15 minutes where you really go down to the root chakra and your the tones are very um, bass and slow movements and stretching and moving. And they're just uh, really allowing you to breathe and connect into the earth. And then it brings you up into an immersion where you can feel the, the, the fluids in your body moving a little more and you get a little bit of energy. And then we do a fun thing called funky connection, which is just fun, where you actually do things like say, you're so amazing. And the other person says, thank you very much. And you'd be amazed at how many people don't really not naturally say, thank you very much. But, you know, when they say you're so amazing, we're like, oh, no, no, I don't know. I'm this and that. But this helps you just practice going, yeah, thank you. And you're too. And, and seeing each other. So that's the really fun things that you don't have to have any kind of trauma to enjoy that experience. So that's the funky connection part. And then we do do an, an evocative emotion. But the evocative emotion is you can go as deep as you want to go or as, as light as you need it to. It's, it's very personal in how you do this dance. Um, we do something called tell your story to the dance floor. And we play a mu music. There's no mirrors in the, in the room. There's no judgment. And the only rule is don't hurt yourself physically or emotionally. And you just 
listen to the music and act out like you did as a little kid, act out a story. And one day that story might be something about what's happening uh, at work. Someday that might be something that a story that happened to you as a child. If you listen to your body, your body will tell you what story it's ready to kind of release, if that makes sense. So, so I am trained to watch the group and hold space for everyone who's there because people do do some pretty deep work. And I also watch the music and I'm always very, the music is always positive. It's always an, a ends with an uplifting. We go through an evocative emotion and then we often have a fire ceremony where we, we let go of something. We thank it, whatever it is that was in us that served us for a while but no longer serves us. We thank it, we release it, and then we burn it up and we, we transform it into something beautiful, um, which is what a lot of us do with our pain if we're lucky enough to really work on it and, and get to the other side. So, um, and then after that, we do a, usually a prayer and a heart dance where we just appreciate and feel love of ourselves, of higher power, of the nature, and open up ourselves to the world. So, and then we finally end in a nice shavasana where you just let all of that work you just did integrate into your body and connect again. Um, and then we do a little sharing circle. But so that's what it, that's a typical journey dance. Um, and like I said, it's, I will provide suggestions of movement, but it's perfectly up to each person to move however they feel like moving. And that might be staying pretty still. There's some people who will just rock and like rocking is all they can do. But, you know, rocking for an hour, if that's your biggest movement, can be hugely transformative. So I have to meet people where they are. So anyway, I love the form because of that. It really allows for, for everyone to be there wherever they are. Yeah. And, and I, what I loved about it too, there weren't any hard rules. It was just like, do what your body wants to do. And it didn't even dawn on me that you don't have any mirrors in there, but thank God you don't because you'd probably get wrapped up in the whole body image thing where you'd look at yourself and be like, oh, I look so silly doing this. I'm going to stop doing that. Like the ego would want to come in to this dance and, exactly. and ruin it. So yeah. And the other thing that I felt physically, I think it was about a 90 minute session that we had. So we were moving. I was working the sweat. And when you're just kind of giving us suggestions, I'm like, all right, not bad. I can, I'm, I'm doing this. Then I got to the point where I started to get tired and it was like perfect timing. And then you were like, all right, now I want you to run through your life losses. And it was like, we, you had us kind of do this timeline of thinking about all of our losses. And it was at a point where I had moved enough where like, my body couldn't fight what needed to come up and release because there was a little bit of exhaustion. And I thought, oh, that was clever. That was like perfect timing. And it loosened up something I feel like viscerally and physically in my body that when we started to move into loss and grief, my body was really prepared for it. And I was really grateful that I couldn't hold it back because it's really easy for me to hold back tears, especially be being a trained clinician and you're kind of 
taught to be a little more stoic and hold energy for others. And of course, you can cry a little bit with clients, but you don't want to be sobbing with them. So I've kind of been trained to really know how to close down my heart chakra in some ways. So it was really um, interesting for me to feel that moment and to be able to cry and to take it and, and throw it into the center of the room and really feel that release. And it also allowed me to remember things that I totally dismissed as losses, simple things of like leaving jobs or jobs that I really loved and not seeing those people anymore that I normally wouldn't have considered a loss. So the movement aspect and getting the body a little tired and then you kind of threw the deep emotional work in, I was like, whoa, that was really, really clever in, in the timing of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it is. And I mean, it's, it is working with our natural rhythm. I mean, our natural rhythm is that 90 minute cycle and you go into REM sleep. It's, it's right. our bodies act on those 90 minute cycles, but you do have to, you have to work with the body. You can't work against it. You gotta, you gotta connect and use its timing because it is really easy for us to just put up walls and just say, no, I'm not going to go there. Yeah. So. You have to get comfortable with the people. And, and like you said, get a little tired where you're like, I can't fight this anymore. What is she going to do? I don't care. <laughs> yeah. And I think for me, because I do a lot of energy work with people, I'm up in my like third eye and crown majority of the time. Yeah. So this really made you come back into the body and kind of connect all of those chakras, but to be embodied. So that was another I wake it eye-opening thing for me. I was like, oh yeah, I'm spending a lot of time up in the higher chakras. So mm -hmm. it was really beautiful to, to really experience that with you. And so we got to learn a little bit about you when you came over to our studio and we were meeting and kind of brainstorming. And you had shared with us your personal journey of how grief really touched your life and how dance really helped you to move through that. So I'd like you to give the opportunity to share a little bit of that story because I believe this is going to be part of your chapter in the book in in helping people and so i would like to turn that over to you to tell our audience a little bit more about that great yeah i i had already decided that i was going to actually study journey dance and it was a three-part series of courses to become a, a certified journey dancer and and i got to my second or was it at the end of my second session so a full week of dancing. And I was at Kripalu, uh, where this is such a wonderful healing place. When I got the horrible call that nobody, certainly no parent ever wants to get. And we were just about to go into our evening dance. And I got the call that, that ties suicide. My 21-year-old my child had been successful, this attempt. Um, and so I had lost them. Um, and it was amazing because I was surrounded by these people that I had been sharing joy and love. And I was so embodied after all of that work. And I really feel like Ty chose that moment to leave this earth when I was fully protected. I really do. Um, there were women all around me because I was in my dorm room with them and they were holding me. There are men studying it too. So this is not a women's only thing. But I even had a priest who was taking our class of the, the 
Episcopalian, which is the faith that I have. And she was right next to me. So within minutes of hearing that Ty had, had died, I was able to look at her and say, did I do anything? Is this my fault? And she was able to make me feel absolved. So I just, I really feel like Ty knew that I would be okay um, getting this news at this time. Or the, like I said, the best held I could be. Um, and, um, and I just kept, I kept dancing. Um, I went, I was studying anyway, so I was on the second thing, but I, I actually gave myself three months of not working and I danced twice a week. I went and did journey dance every Tuesday and I did ecstatic dance every Thursday and journey dance is one that's you're talked through and you tell your story and you let go of things. Ecstatic dance is an hour and a half of just music. You just process whatever the heck you want to process. Or you sit in prayer, you do whatever you want. And I think that the combination of the journey dance, one part of the week, and then the second, second time of just being able to let go and danced with Ty um, and, and Ty had um, fibromyalgia. So they, um, they really weren't dancing much by the end of their life. But I even did some dances where I, I felt my body holding it the way that Ty did. And I just could feel the right side of my body really kind of limping. And it I don't know how to explain it, except that they came to me in, in my dance many, many times. And, um, and often people's ancestors come to them in their, in their dances. But for me, that was hugely healing. And I actually, I know myself and I know I'm driven. So when I went back to work, I actually went to my therapist and I asked for a prescription to dance. And I said, this is my Greek therapy. Yeah. And I got a psychiatrist to write me a prescription that I had to dance every week. And I gave it to my boss at work and I got it filed with HR and I had time off every week to go dance. And I, I'm so glad I did it because I, my boss would have let me do it, but I wouldn't have let me do it. I wouldn't mm. have given myself that time. And I really needed it. So that was, it'll be six years this November, but I've been dancing twice a week ever since then. And it really, to me, it's, it's hugely powerful as a medium to connect to our loved ones, but also to let go of grief, to process things. Um, so that's, that's one reason why I decided to open the studio and really make this a bigger thing to bring to other people because it's just it's a wonderful practice that I want more people to feel and get that help from. Yeah and what a wonderful idea that you might have just given thousands of people who are listening to this podcast to ask for a prescription for dance right and give you the time off. That's brilliant. That is a brilliant idea and the other thing that I find fascinating it would be Really interesting to know, because when you, you mentioned that book, When the Body Keeps the Score, it's a great, great trauma book to learn about it. 
fact that you had immediate intervention at the time of this news, and then you were able to dance, I, I am sure that some trauma specialists would probably say that that probably really saved your brain from the trauma really embedding into it. Because yeah. I remember Kelly once saying to me that if a person can get EMDR therapy within 72 hours of the trauma, it's less likely, I don't know the exact stat, but basically less likely for the trauma to set in and create kind of complex PTSD. So hearing that, that you were in a place to be able to move immediately, you were surrounded by a tribe, you had probably unconditional compassion and love and safety to be able to express immediately. I mean, wow, that's, I bet you, I bet I, I would, not that I would want to know what you look like if that, if you got the news somewhere else, but I'm sure that there was some sort of really physiological intervention with dance being incorporated at the moment of Absolutely. this news. Absolutely. And I, and I, I sincerely believe that, not that Ty knew this consciously. I don't think she consciously, sorry. They were born a, a female and, and identified as non-binary, but they, I don't think they consciously even knew that I was there. But I think Ty's spirit knew that their mom was okay. And, and it's interesting that you said that I didn't, I didn't realize, uh, I have never heard that you, if you do the, the therapy right after a trauma that you cannot sink in, but it does make a lot of sense because one of the things that I found is I've been, okay is the wrong word, but Ty needed to leave this planet. They were in so much pain and I've been accepting. I've been accepting of that reality in a way that it mystifies me. Hmm. It just mystifies me because, I mean, it's, um, but I did also have a wonderful experience of going to Mystic about a month after Ty died. And it was the first time I'd ever been to a Mystic. And she, um, I wasn't going to tell her anything because I, <laughs> I, had, I had made the appointment six months before and I was going to tell her anything. I was like, yeah, we'll see if she actually, oh my God, I had an hour conversation with Ty where, where Ty said, just the everything I needed to hear that I'd been an awful, an awesome mother and I was always there and, and that it just was, it was wonderful. And, and I think I was ready to hear that because like you said, I was in a good place. I was taken care of. And it's, it's one reason why I keep dancing is that I know that it keeps me loose and it keeps me fluid and I can get stuck. Whatever, whatever today's trauma is, I don't care. I dropped my lunch. I mean, it really doesn't have to be that big for me to get upset. <laughs> right. And, and I don't know if you want to speak to this, but six years ago with gender identity and now we're very open with pronouns and, and things of that sort, but there really wasn't a lot of talk about this back then or support or, or really this coming out in, I guess, I don't know if you want to say mainstream or really becoming something that people were becoming more educated on and really understanding what's going on with, with that. So do you want to speak on that at all? Yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's another thing that, that I guess I've, I've experienced in my life and gone through as a parent was, was helping to parent a child who went through that. When Ty 
uh, wanted to be they, them. I certainly had no idea what that meant. Nobody knew what that meant. Um, and because that was probably four years before they died. So 10 years ago, if you can think of anyone who was asking to be called they, them 10 years ago, uh, it wasn't very many. And I went through uh, watching them try to communicate with family um, to get their pronouns to be appropriately used, but also the pain of they got stuck in it had to be about the pronouns. And I, and I kept saying, Ty, we love you no matter what the pronouns are. That's not gonna, that doesn't make the difference. We love you. And some people, it's, it's hard for them to hear that no matter what, but it's, anyway, yeah, it is a part of my experience. And, and I think when we are healers, when we're called to help people, all we can really draw on is our own personal experience and our, what we've learned, but what we've, what we've not, what we've really been through. And so I think there's some, some way in which the universe wants to, um, wants to use that experience to help others. Yeah. And here we are with an opportunity to write a chapter in a book, right? Exactly. Yeah. So what, what was your, when Kelly approached you with this, how did you know it was right for you? Or why did your yes come out of your mouth yes, to say, yeah. sure, yeah, I'll do this. <laughs> it really is to, to get the message out that, that you don't have to suffer as much and that, that it's okay to feel everything that happens in our body. It's okay to be really sad and it actually can be, it can feel good if you let yourself feel it. It doesn't have to be as scary. And I, I just, I just think that people really, that people can be helped. And so that's really why I'm doing it is it's, it's hard to talk about, um, but I think it's important. Yeah. And. I once had somebody in the podcast and he had an interesting story too, where he actually like lost his, lost his ability to speak or, or his voice and then had to be like retrained and ended up going to like an Indian reservation and working with them. And, but he said something about how important it is for us to tell our stories because nobody else here on earth has your story. And like your story is important to be spoken and to be told. Because you you just never know who who can relate and how it will reach certain people and and what it can do. And sometimes we may feel like, oh, we're insignificant, or how is my story really going to help anyone? And mm -hmm. you never really know. And sometimes our stories don't, but our smiles do. Right? right. They pass a smile with to a stranger, and you never know what was going on that day for them, but they remember that smile that they got, or somebody held the door open for them, and. So I think it is important, and I too am becoming more comfortable with that whole concept of, yeah, share your story. Who cares? If, if it can help one person, that's great. But I think it is important because I think we all are storytellers, and there's something like in our DNA to sit around and to hear stories and to, to kind of feel closer to a tribe and a community. And we can do that by sharing our experiences. Yeah, yeah. Sharing, sharing experience is is much more important, I think, or much more valuable than giving advice. In our culture, we tend to 
go do this, go do that, try this. And really what's healing is to hear someone say, this is what I did and how it affected me. And when we, when we speak from the I and what it does for me, it's not that we're, that we're being selfish. It's actually, we're, we're actually being more generous because we're, we're not saying, telling them something that they need to go do. We're saying, use this experience. I'm going to share with you my story and you use it however it can serve you. And that's really kind of my purpose in life is to serve as God. My, I call them God. My ask me to serve. So, mm-hmm. you know, that this is one way I can do it. Yeah. And I think it's beautiful. And I kind of feel like there's a part of me that I've been seeing more ecstatic dance, journey dance. I forget. There's a couple of other different types of oh, transcend yeah. dance. Transcend dance. Yeah. yeah. And all of this. And I'm kind of looking at this and I'm like, okay, this is new. What are people thinking about it? I was a little hesitant to do it. And I kind of feel like it's what Reiki was many years ago, where people were like, what is this thing? What's a little mm-hmm. taboo? And but now I'm seeing it pop up everywhere. And I'm seeing sound healing pop up everywhere. I've gotten involved in sound healing too. And it makes me feel like that there probably is like this shift on the planet or consciousness or whoever's like working with us to help us to get more inside of these bodies and to use these ancient tools of sound and dance and movement to like return us back to who we were and what that can do for the evolution like of our own soul. So I'm seeing more of these dance classes popping up and <laughs> and I'm thinking this is the wave like Sound healing is going to be if, I mean, where we are, it's like in every yoga studio now and in any wellness studio. And I'm seeing more dance being offered in in the studios around where we are in Saratoga. And I'm like, yep, here it comes. This is no longer going to be this, okay, weird dance thing or weird sound healing thing or weird Reiki thing. It's just going to be a part of how we heal as a whole. What do you think about that? I think it's going to make us all a healthier, a healthier group of people. I, I honestly do. It's just the the wellness that can be found within ourselves, just from returning back to sort of basics, is is just astounding. And we need to. I think that the more we do of it, the the stronger our community is going to be. Yeah. And Gunny. Uh, yeah. So tell me just a little bit more because you do. I know I peek over at your studio schedule because there's one class that I really want my husband and I to take, and it's the Native American flute. Yes. I want to learn that. Yeah. So I'm going to be there at one of these times. It's going to line up with my schedule because I'm always checking what it's being taught, and I either have something going on, but that's on my radar. But you're doing a lot more with your studio. You're inviting people in. There's lots of different classes. So I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about your business called Movement Insights. Because I got to tell you guys, where Jean and I are located, we are located really close to Albany Airport, and we have two hotels literally within 20 feet of our, of our offices. So we're in like mm-hmm. this really cool complex where if you wanted to come from wherever you live and attend some of Jean's classes, we've got hotels right here for you. You get an Uber from Albany to Exit 12, so it's like from Exit 4 to Exit 12, and then you don't even need a car because we have all these great restaurants, the studios in walking distance, and you can come and try out a class. So can you let people know just a little bit more about what you're doing with your studio and who you're inviting and the different classes that are being offered? 
Sure, I'd love to. I'm so the the studio is called Movement Insights, and I gave I called it Movement Insights because it's not about it's not necessarily about dance, and it is it is about insights. It's about getting some some ideas of what's going on internally. And I have at least three classes a week of dance, journey dance, and ecstatic dance. I'm inviting in a an Alexander technique person to come in and do a workshop. I've added on another group of people who are doing contact improv dance now once a month. And contact improv is is a wonderful partner dance where you connect, you stay in constant contact with another person and you work with pushing and pulling. And and it really is a, a, a wonderful trust exercise. I so, was going to say that. Whoa! <laughs> but it's awesome. It's just, it's amazing. Again, you're... That is done with no music at all. And you're really sensing where is your body in relation to somebody else? And you're rolling around on the floor. It's awesome. Um, and then uh, I also have the Native American flute um, workshops. And I have, I have two of those coming up right now. We have them. We're going to be having them about once a month. Um, and in just three hours, you can learn from absolutely nothing, you can learn to play some nice melodies on Native American flute, and and you get a flute with the class. So those are happening. We've also had a tarot class where you learn how to read tarot cards, and I think we're going to be having another one of those coming up soon. So, and the space is really open and available for others to have workshops. Or I'm happy to have a girls' night out or a bridal shower. I mean, honestly, it would be so much fun to get a group of your best friends to come and dance together, um, just to do something different. Um, and I also am doing a recovery. Once, once a, um, a month, I do a dance that's free and open to the public, uh, to anyone. It's based on the 12 steps of, you know, the, of the A's, A-A-M-A, OA, all of the anonymous programs, but the dance is, it's, it's a journey dance, but it is from a, from a letting go and trusting and higher power and, and connecting. So it's themed to go with the 12 steps. Beautiful. Yes. And I do have to say that you are just have lovely energy. I mean, I really was scared to come and do this, but you hold space so beautifully. And I felt immediately comfortable, even though I felt really silly in the beginning. But it was like the energy that you held for us allowed me to get the jitters out. And I'm like, okay, like this is going to be safe. I felt safe immediately with you. And and just the way that you ran it made it really easy for someone like myself who felt a little outside of my comfort zone to get comfortable right away. And I'm like, screw it. I'm here. I got to commit. She's telling me to walk proud. All right, I'm going to walk proud. I'm going to I'm going to do all this stuff. And I was totally immersed in it. And I felt really great afterwards and had a lot of reflection. I could see what you were talking about, where you'd go and do a dance and then you'd go and process it in therapy. Because I think I'm still processing my experience there. And it was was probably like six months ago, I think it was. But so I could really see how this can open you up to some deep self-reflection. And it was was really cool to do. So can you also let my listeners know what is your website? Where can they go to find out these classes? It's movement-insights.com. 
and they can email me at movementinsights at gmail.com or sorry, yeah, gmail.com. And we're, I'm right in Studio 10 at Malta Commons off of Exit 12. So I'd love to see people. Right? Yes. And that's in Malta, New York. So for those of you that don't live in New York, Hashim, we've got people that listen to this all over the world. We've got lots of people from Canada, Australia. I don't know if anyone's going to take a flight over from Australia, but you never know who's going to be in the area. A lot of I, people do my class, I do my classes on Zoom. A lot of them oh, are on Zoom also. So, yeah. And I've actually, I've had people from, from Europe on my classes. I had one of the most wonderful ones, and then I'll, I'll let you guys go, but I had one where a woman um, came to my recovery class and she was in a wheelchair and she did the journey dance from a wheelchair and just had a wonderful time. Mm. And you don't, doesn't matter how mobile you are. It's, it's really about moving whatever you can and yeah. connecting to yourself. Beautiful. Well, I'm so glad that you mentioned that too, because now that means that like a majority of our listeners of the podcast could definitely log on to Zoom and be a part of, of this extraordinary thing. And maybe even try it on Zoom, guys. Try it first at home. See what you think. And then if you're not in the area, you could like look for something that's in your area. Jean could kind of introduce you or or you're, I know you're just going to love Jean so much that you're just going to keep going to her class. So let's just put it that way. But so, yeah. So, Jean, I'm so excited to be a part of this project with you and so glad that you've come on the podcast. And I figured I said to Kelly, I said, why don't we use my podcast to let people know about the book? And Usually I'm interviewing people who are writers and that they've written a book, a full book, but we have 25 people here writing chapters. So I always say it's 25 books in one. And I just love giving people resources. So I, there's no way I, this wasn't going to happen. Okay, I've got 25 more people to introduce to the world. I have the platform to do it. I'm going to do it. Let's make this happen. So I'm so glad that you decided to come on and that we could share you with the world and share movement insights and journey dance and to also share your story. So thank you for being brave. And even though it's hard to recount, I know I'm really happy that you shared your story about Ty. Thank you. Yes. And so I thank you all for listening. So check some dance out. If you've never done it, do it. And even if you don't want to do it, do it. And even if it feels outside of your comfort zone, do it to at least say that you've done it and you tried it and you may actually love it. So I hope all of you are doing well and I will bring you another author next week that you get to meet and hopefully you'll learn something new and you'll get a chance to hear their story as well. So thank you, everyone. Have a beautiful and wonderful day. Take care. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate and review the Path 11 podcast in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, this podcast is made possible by our sponsor, Path 11 TV. Visit path11tv.com to start a seven-day free trial of exclusive video content on consciousness, healing, and life after death. That's path11tv.com. And be sure to use coupon code PODCAST30 to take 30% off your annual membership. Start satisfying your spiritual curiosity with a membership to Path 11 TV today. Bye for now.